Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, good morning, and let me add my welcome to Horizon West Church Online. Thank you for joining. Thank you for streaming with us. As events continue to unfold day after day in our world and in our nation and even in our city, I I just want to say again and say it clearly that Horizon West Church stands with all of those who are seeking justice, who are praying for reconciliation and restoration, and who want to see things change in our nation. If you are a person of color, and specifically if you are an African-American brother or sister, I want you to know that we are grieving with you and we are standing with you. And with that in mind, I want to open this morning with prayer that the only one who can ultimately change things would do just that. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we do just come to you once again, um, and we ask, Lord, that you would move in our nation, that you would move in our city, that you would move in our hearts and in the hearts of people. Um, God, because we believe that you alone have the power to change, and yet that you've called us to follow you as agents of change, to use our voice, to use our platform, to use our hands, our feet, and all that we have uh, to see your kingdom come in this world. So we do pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were attending Horizon West Church uh, before we moved services exclusively to online in this COVID-19 season, you may remember that we were in a season we were calling hashtag blessed, and that came out of Matthew chapter 5, and the tagline to that series was the words, it's not what you think. Well, man, did that prove to be prophetic. (laughs) Because if you thought the blessing of God was merely something that is external and material, there's no way to make sense of 2020. Uh, Normally by this time in the year, June 7th, we're saying things like, can you believe it's already June? But this year we're saying, can you believe it's not December yet? Uh, How in the world can we be blessed in the middle of this mess that we call 2020? And I would just offer again, we can be blessed because blessing is not what you think. The pastor of the church I grew up in spoke of blessing in these words. He said, a blessing is anything that drives me to Jesus. Friends, that means that a promotion or a layoff may be a blessing. A relationship or the breakup of that relationship may be a blessing. Healing or sickness, life or death, if it drives me to Jesus, then it is in fact a blessing regardless of what it feels like along the way. We see echoes of this very truth in Scripture. Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 21, said this, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then again in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you are only looking this morning for blessing in your bank account or blessing in your career or blessing in the outward material things, you're going to miss the greatest blessings God has for you. And so 
we're going to answer two questions that, that come at us from Matthew chapter 5. These are verses that we in the church sometimes refer to as the Beatitudes. And these verses answer two questions. First, how do I enjoy a blessed life by God? The answer to that question being, I enjoy a blessed life by God or in God by living as a citizen of God's kingdom. And the second question, how do I live as a citizen of God's kingdom? To which Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12, are going to tell us things like, you live as a citizen of the kingdom of God by being poor in spirit, by practicing meekness, by showing mercy, and on and on. And so this morning, I want to read for you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Here are the words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One verse. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you, and I know you're sitting at home and you're watching with family, but I want to ask you this, how many of you would consider yourself pure in heart? You can just raise your hand right there where you're at. Probably like me, most of you don't have your hands up right now, right? Because this idea of purity in the heart, of heart, it feels extremely elusive. What does it mean? What in the world does Jesus mean by saying, blessed are the pure in heart? Well, that word, uh, you need to know, the, the Greek word that's translated here as pure is a word that means clean. It's the same word Jesus uses with Peter in John chapter 13 when he is getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. If you remember the passage, Peter says, no, Lord, uh, you'll never wash my feet. And then he flips the other way and says, well, Lord, if it makes uh, me closer to you, then wash my hands and my feet as well. And Jesus says to Peter in John 13, Peter, the one who's had a bath, is clean. Same word here that's translated as pure. It's also the word that Jesus uses in a debate with the Pharisees around ceremonial cleanliness in Matthew 23. So the idea of purity of heart is the idea of cleanness, of being washed and made new. It comes out of the book of Leviticus, the Old Testament, which presents Levitical or priestly law for the people of Israel. And much of the book of Leviticus deals with food that is clean or unclean, sacrifices that are clean or unclean before God. In fact, the word unclean appears 100 times in Leviticus alone. And when that word gets moved into the Greek in the New Testament, it is this word that we see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. See, for the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, unfortunately... There was an unintended consequence of Leviticus and of the law where they began to value what was external over what was internal. They became enforcers of ceremonial law of cleanliness and neglected more important matters of the law, those that are internal. This is why Jesus gets into a conversation with them, if you will, in Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26. He says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the, and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Jesus uses strong words in speaking with these religious leaders who thought that they were clean because the outside looked good, and he uses the word hypocrites. Listening to Dr. Eric Mason earlier this week, Eric Mason is the pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, and he, he talked about this word, this idea of hypocrisy, 
and, and he said it's, it's the idea of a pantomime. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but if you grew up in the 90s, your youth groups probably did pantomimes. And the, the idea behind pantomimes is, is they act out certain things, or maybe the, the old-fashioned mime, they act things out like shutting a door or being locked in a cage. Uh, but the reality is there's nothing there. They're making you think something is there that is not truly there. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, Jesus says to the religious leaders, that's what you're like. You make it look like you're clean before God. You make it look like you have purity, but the truth is what is inside is filthy and it is rotten and it stinks. What is true is you are a hypocrite. So then what does Jesus mean by pure in heart, clean in heart? Number one, he means that the pure in heart, I believe, are authentic. They value inward purity over outward image. And so by doing that, they're able to present their genuine self to God and to people. These are the kind of people about which you might say, what you see is what you get. Or like they told me about Pastor David when I was coming on staff nearly 10 years ago, he's the same man off the stage as he is on the stage. Purity of heart is about being genuine and authentic and real. It is also about being single-minded. It was Soren Kierkegaard who said, purity of heart is to will one thing. The pure of heart are not trying to store up treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. They're not trying to win the praise and approval of man and of God. They're not trying to maintain control of their life and saying Jesus is Lord. They're pursuing one thing. They're single-minded. Another way to articulate, articulate these two aspects of purity of heart may be to say, the pure in heart live as one person with one pursuit. Listen to Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. I'm going to leave that there for just a second, because that word crookedness in the NIV is the word double-minded. The double-mindedness of the treacherous is what destroys them. See, friends, integrity is about having an integrated life. The opposite of integrity is not doing wrong. It is being double-minded. It is, it is having a disintegrated life. The pure in heart, though they are not perfect, they've integrated their life in such a way that they are authentic and they are single-minded in their pursuit. I might illustrate it this way. If you told me that you wanted to go to Cleveland... We are about a mile and a half from the turnpike. And if you said, hey, Chris, I want to go to Cleveland, I'm going to tell you to get on the turnpike and go north. That's a good place to start. And if you told me, Chris, I want to go to Cleveland, and you got on the turnpike and headed south toward Miami, I'm going to think you don't really want to go to Cleveland because what you're saying doesn't match what you're doing. This is the essence of double-mindedness. I want to go one direction. No, I don't. I want to go the other direction. And the double-minded are caught in this hot, cold, what Jesus said is lukewarm. In fact, Jesus said of the lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But if you will stay the course, if you would stay moving north and taking the right roads to get there, you would eventually wind up in Cleveland. And by the same token, Scripture says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Translation, 
if we don't keep going back and forth, if we don't go two steps forward and two steps back, if we will stay the course authentically, moving in the same direction, single-minded, we will arrive at the destination for which we seek. So let me do this. I want to give you two benefits of pursuing purity of heart. And the first is this, and then we're going to close. The first benefit of pursuing purity of heart is a blessed life on earth. So you need to know this morning that Matthew 5 verse 8 is not an obligation, it is an invitation. The biblical call to purity of heart is not given under threat of punishment, but under promise of reward. It has an echo in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The person of Psalm 1 is a person who is pure in heart. They're not pulled astray by sinful voices. They're not pulled into wicked scheming. They have a single-minded pursuit of God, and the psalmist calls them blessed. And Jesus, years and years later, will echo the sentiment and say, if you want to have a blessed life on earth, you must pursue purity of heart. I jotted down a few things that I think come as rewards even in the here and now as it relates to purity of heart. The pure of heart get to enjoy a clean conscience. The pure of heart have less anxiety. The pure of heart often have better health and better sleep. They have healthier relationships. And ultimately, the pure of heart, we know from Matthew 5, 8, the pure of heart see God. Now, every commentary I read this week agreed on this one idea that when the scripture says that the pure in heart will see God, it is not referring only to some future fulfillment in the afterlife when we see God face to face in our bodies, but that it is also pointing to a temporal and here and now reality. What it implies is that those who are pure in heart will see God, meaning they have an ability to experience God here and now in ways they would otherwise not be able to, If their hearts were corrupted or their thinking double-minded, they will see God at work in their world. So I want to ask you a question, friends. When is the last time that you saw God with the eyes of your heart? When's the last time that you knew for certain that what you were experiencing was the move of God, the, the voice of God, the leading of God, that your heart's eyes saw it and laid hold of it? And if it has been a while since you have seen God move, I would urge you to ask a second question, which is, what is blocking the eyes of your heart from seeing God? It may just be that there is something inward, be it unforgiveness, be it self-condemnation, be it the pursuit of other things, whatever it is, if you're not seeing God at work, it could be that there is a impurity of heart that needs to be addressed. I believe God wants us, friends, to experience blessing of seeing the kingdom of God come here and now with power, and we are best able to do that when we pursue purity of heart. So first, blessing is that you will have a blessed life, or the first benefit is a blessed life on earth. And the second benefit is this, that you will have eternal life in heaven. This is the other half of that equation in seeing God. It's what we see in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, where the psalmist writes, 
Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Earlier this week, I was uh, in the vehicle talking with my kids about heaven. And one of them said, it's just, it's hard to even believe it. It just seems like a legend. It's hard to imagine living forever. And, and, and I related and I sympathized and I said, no, I, I get it. I understand. And, and we pressed deeper into that conversation. What will heaven be like? And one of my children asked me this question. They said, dad, who do you think we'll see first when we get to heaven? Many of you know that I lost my mom in high school. Um, I've lost two grandparents. Nikki has lost four and the kids know this, and we talk about this, and they're going, Dad, who, who's the first person you think we're going to see in heaven? And here's my answer. I think the first person you'll see, now, nah, I'll say it differently. I know the first person you'll see when you get to heaven on that day is Jesus. You're going to see him. And as we know from Revelation 21, what he's going to do is he's going to wipe away every tear from your eyes because in that place there will be no more crying, no more sickness, no more sin, no more death because the old order of things, the order of things in which we live in this world and at this time will one day pass away and behold, all things will be made new and the pure of heart will be there in the eternal kingdom of God rejoicing and worshiping the one who saved them. So it leads us to one final question. How can I know that my heart is pure enough? How, how do I know that I'm clean enough or good enough for heaven? And I want to take you to one last scripture this morning. Hebrews 10, verses 21 and 22. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Who is that great priest? It's Jesus. And what you'll notice in that verse, what jumps out at me at least in that verse, is these two words, sprinkled and washed, these are both passive terms. You, you need to know that purity of heart is not about trying harder, uh, you know, white-knuckling it better. Purity of heart is about surrendering so that the Lord Jesus Christ can wash away your sin and make you clean again. And we receive that by faith alone. You cannot cleanse yourself. Someone has to do it for you. And thank God in the person of Jesus that someone did. I know some of you watching, you may have attended church a long time. Some of you have, may have been streaming with us now for several weeks. And yet it's possible that you have not yet submitted your life to Jesus Christ, that you have not yet been saved, that you've not yet laid hold of the free gift and offer of eternal life. In just a second, I want to pray. And I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, for every person watching right now, I pray one of two things, Lord. If it's someone who has put their trust in you, someone that has, is following you by faith, someone who is seeking to become pure in heart and to live out of the purity of heart that you have given them. God, I pray that you would just give them grace to do so all the more. God, help them to, to clear the blockages and, and the distractions and to just single-mindedly pursue the person of Jesus and to uh, enable through his power for the kingdom of God to come in and through them. God, would you grant those of us that have been saved to draw nearer to you than ever before. 
And God, for those who have never yet surrendered to you, never yet given you their heart in faith unto salvation, God, would you let this be the day? God, that you on a cross gave your life, that you bled and that you died so that what we could not do, what we could not cleanse within ourselves, would be once and for all cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus. And would you grant the faith for them to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.